Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Rory. We're siblings. And although we're pretty different, it's Christmas Eve, so why would we focus on what divides us? It's time to unite in what we both love. Amen. For example, I'm a connoisseur of the amazing taste of eggnog, especially with a little spice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love eggnog as well. It's like melted ice cream that's acceptable to drink at parties. My favorite Christmas dish is lasagna, but hold the mushrooms. I'll take your mushrooms. Just pick them out and put them on the side of your plate. I'll, I'll get them. The sweet ballad of Gale Peavy's I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas is a steeple Christmas song for me. And when I visit a zoo, I love seeing the hippos, even though, you know, they are responsible for more deaths of humans than any other large animal. Neither here nor there. I'm black. I'm white. But we do have one thing in common. That's right. I'm trying to like it. Me too. I'm trying to like it. Welcome to I'm Trying to Like It, the podcast where two siblings, myself and Aaron, discuss all things pop culture or pop culture adjacent. We might disagree once in a while, but you can rest assured that we're both trying to like it. In this episode, we discuss the new addition to the Matrix saga, The Matrix Resurrections. But first, we share our top five Christmas films. Rory, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, <laughs> So, it is Christmas Eve. We're recording this the Christmas Eve Eve. But when folks are listening to this, hopefully, uh, if they listen right away, it's Christmas Eve still. And so, I want to ask you, what's your favorite Christmas season? Well, no. What do I want to ask? I want to ask you... <laughs> <laughs> What's been the highlight of your Christmas season so far? Um, you know, the the thing is is that I just got on Christmas break. So, we're recording this on a oh gosh. We're recording this on a Thursday, which is normally the day it comes out. Normally we record on a Tuesday. So, yesterday, Wednesday, <laughs> the 22nd, um was my last day at school. So, I am officially on Christmas break. So that is probably what is the most exciting right now, because I have no responsibilities of setting the the greatest feeling. And I know teachers out there can can attest to this or people that don't have to set alarms, but more so teachers, because, you know, I know you're going to be like, oh, yeah. But yesterday morning, Wednesday, when I woke up, the feeling of great joy in my heart and in my soul that I did a little happy tippy tappy dance when I got out of bed was turning off that alarm that will never play again until it's time to go back to school <laughs> so just like doing that little oh look at that look at that alarm that says holla for a dollar as the as the name of it I'm just going to boop that off really quick and not boop it back on until January 3rd. <laughs> so, yeah. So, highlight is finally on Christmas break. Um, I'm almost done with Christmas shopping. That's good. Um, You've got, got one more day. Yeah. I just have... I've, I've got two people left. Ugh. That's not bad. Yesterday, I had three people left. 
And the day before, I had four people left. So I'm, I'm, I'm really working. I'm really getting it. Um, so yeah, we have a little bit of Christmas shopping to do still, but not a lot, and we're mostly finished. So I feel yeah. relieved about that. Um, my favorite thing so far this Christmas season has been, I think my, you know, laser, my son, he is uh, really starting to just get all excited about Christmas. And so seeing him like enjoying Christmas through his eyes and his experience is a, a lot of fun. So probably the, the highlight though, we, the we took a, yeah, the, um, they are future. The children are, um, <laughs> the highlight was probably for us though, as a family was, we got to go on a real train ride. We did I like saw a, pictures of that. That's so that exciting. was really exciting. Yeah, it's the. Haven't you been on trains before, though? I've been on trains many, many times. Yeah, um, so. Not in the United States, but uh, in other countries. Okay, and let me just hi, my <laughs> hi, my name Aaron, and I like to ning 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 about uh, trains in different countries. But <laughs> but I love trains, and they're for those of us who live in you know not who don't live in large cities. Like the experience of riding on a train is pretty rare. Um, and so, um, yeah. So anyway, my son loves trains. And so we found a, a little train ride that we could take on the Arkansas, Missouri railway and it was a blast. So that was probably the highlight so far. Nice. That sounds yeah. like fun. I think, I guess another part would just usually now I haven't been able to because the traffic that is Springfield, Missouri. Holy cow. You can't go two inches without having some major road rage. And in that moment, whenever I'm behind a person that's behind another person that's not paying attention, and then I look ahead and there's like 50 cars stopped at a stoplight, it makes me really forget that Jesus is the reason for this season. Um, and I kind of just kind of am like, eh, let's put that on hold for a second. And I outwardly say things to the people that are making me not move when I'm trying to just go, you know, maybe half a mile. Um, just I don't know Walmart. why. I don't know why the traffic there is so bad, but it is. I don't because nobody knows how to drive. Nobody. You're the only one, Roy. You're the only person who knows how to drive. I'm the only one with intelligence that when it <laughs> rains, you don't have to drive overly cautious because that just causes accident. It's, and when it snows, same thing. You can drive a little bit more cautiously, but I mean, let's just let's keep us let's keep the pace going. Let's not go fifteen. Let's go, I don't know, thirty, thirty-five. Especially when there's no snow on the ground and it's just starting to snow. You know. Anyways, right. neither here nor there. But yeah, I would say most of the time it's going to see all the lights. Yeah. But put the light. Yeah, see you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to clean it up now. You 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 went on a you went on a on a Christmas rampage there. I did, but even going to see all the lights, people there's one house in particular in Springfield. It's called the Bagwell House and it has the synchronized lights and it's like this huge big production. So massive. I, I would love to see what their light, the the their electricity bill is, honestly. Um but it's like a huge thing. The kids and I went to go see it uh, the other night. What day was that? I don't know what day that was. Um, and it was too much. It was too much. The The line for it was probably a mile long. And I said, nope, mm -mm, not today, Satan. 
I love these lights, but I don't love it that much. So peace out. And we just drove on. Well, um, so. you know what it sounds like you need? You need <laughs> Christmas deer. <laughs> yeah, you need the spirit of Christmas. Um, you need you need to relax. You need to go home. You need to get some uh, hot cocoa and uh, watch a Christmas movie and chill out. Segway. Um, so we want to talk about <laughs> we want to talk about the top five our our top oh, five boy. <laughs> our top five Christmas movies. Top five Christmas movies. Top yeah, five. and so um, this was hard for me to do it was and not hard for me here's the reason it was very easy i don't think uh, i don't want to make anyone upset Are you i don't grinch? think the movies on my list this is a very sentimental list right these are movies that i watch um because they are associated with my childhood and with my oh, with the boy. season I don't know that they're great films, but they're my top five because they are they are they're they're, they're Christmas films. I don't think I think some of them are good films, but I I don't know how much of my feeling about them is tied into my sentiment and how much of it is actually just oh my gosh, appreciation Aaron. for them as a film. That's what that's so. Um, yeah, so my top five list was a little bit difficult for me to put together because it doesn't feel the least bit original or unique in any way. I don't think I'm going to surprise anyone, but I just, I, it was, it was hard for me. Holy cow. Okay. That was a Debbie Downer. Well, you're, hey, hey, miss, nobody knows how to drive. Nobody does know how to drive. What do you mean? <laughs> That's what do you mean? Fact. Nobody. You just, live in a small town, Aaron. You don't know. You don't know. That's why I live in a small town. I bet if you drove to Joplin, they'd probably, well, they may not know how to drive in Joplin. I don't know. Uh, it's just too many people on the road at any one given time. So, And see, that's the thing. Like with Springfield, we have pocketing um, little towns cities i guess so everybody like springfield's just the the center hub so people come here from ozark nixa um, you know republic logan rogersville because yeah. we have but you know what's not an interesting topic for anyone uh that's not uh directly affected by it traffic talk yeah yeah well so let's move let on to our out. top five get it out. <laughs> our top five christmas this is why people have problems with you, Aaron. <laughs> Who has problems? Are you getting secret email from fans that are like, yeah, this would be so much better without, without Aaron. Um, okay, so we're going to go backwards from five to, to one, one being our, our favorite, the oh, yes. top, and five being, uh, well, our fifth favorite, I guess. So, oh, boy. <laughs> do I have to explain how this works? No, okay. you really do not. All right, I'm going to let you go first with your number five. With your number five. Top okay, five. Okay, we're not going in a straight whoosh. We're just going back and forth, right? Yeah, we'll go back and forth. Okay, my number five is this. And see, my list was not hard because I I love I love Christmas movies. Um, number five for me is the version of Dr. Seuss done with not 
the cartoon one. Done with Jim Carrey himself. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. All right. Directed by Ron Howard, right? Directed by Ron Howard. What year did that come out? It was like the... Uh, 2000. It was 2000. Okay. okay. So you were uh, a youngin, like (laughs) 10 years old? Yeah. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I was 20. So, yeah. In 2000? Yeah. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So it was it was definitely your you were the target audience, right? You know you know what I like about that movie is what? that Jim Carrey is a little bit scary mm. as the Grinch, right? And I think that's good in Christmas movies. There's a couple of Christmas movies that I have a pick for that like um have kind of like scary characters. And I, I don't know why that shows up in Christmas movies so much, but yeah, you have, you know, <clears throat> there's something about the Grinch. He's a little bit, he's a little bit scary. And then of course, you know, spoiler alert, but he, he has a <laughs> change of heart. So <laughs> if you haven't seen how the Grinch stole Christmas with Jim Carrey since 2000, you don't deserve a spoiler alert. So my number five is the Albert Finney, uh, starring Albert Finney, uh, in, the musical version of Scrooge from 1970. This is the version of A Christmas Carol or the Scrooge uh, story, which has been done and redone and redone and redone so many times. This is the one that I think we saw the most growing up. Have you seen this? Do you remember it? I don't know what you're talking about to be 100%. You don't know like, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. You don't know that song? Oh, um, that's from the musical for Scrooge. Anyway, nineteen seventy. You need to check it out if you haven't. But okay. um, this is the one that we grew up. Uh, well, that I remember at least from my childhood watching, and I think it's a favorite of our parents, and so they they showed it to us quite a bit. But it's not only musically fun. I think it also does what I just mentioned. Um, the Grinch does, which is. This is a ghost story, right? And there are actually mm-hmm. some pretty scary ghost scenes, ghost uh, visitors in the story. And I think that that's, for some reason, it's just something I like. It's appealing to, to think because Christmas is so kind of sticky, sweet, kind of sentimental all the time. And to have something kind of a little scary introduced to it, I think, is kind of fun. So my number five the musical version of Scrooge from 1970 starring Albert Finney. Uh, why do I have no recollection of this? Like I know, I know of, I know of it because like a Christmas Carol mom loves, mom loves that. Right. Like right. we would always, <clears throat> we would always go and see um, the plays of it around Christmas time. I remember one time for, Mom and Dad's anniversary and kind of half Christmas, I got them tickets uh, and gave them some money for a hotel room to go see a Christmas carol. So why am I not? Why I do know. I not know of this? You got to check it out. All right, what's eh. your number four? Um, my number four is one of the greatest movie. Well. I guess semi-great since it's my number four. But it is the movie that kind of, when I when I watched it as a kid, I always was like, man, I wish this would happen to me. 
um because that would be kind of fun <laughs> but it is home alone <laughs> home alone i yes. always every time i watch it even now as an adult i always am like man i wish i could have been left at home like <laughs> in, a, in an intense situation like this you know what you i know? found so It'd we watched fun. uh home alone <clears throat> we watched home alone 2 just the other night Love and that one just as much as number one. I may like it more. I don't know. Some people argue it's better. Um, I uh, So we watched it. And so here's the funny thing I thought. The whole, like, you know, every every film, every story basically has to have a resolution. And a lot of times our main character learns some kind of a lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Like they grow over the mm-hmm. course. So at the end of Home Alone, released in 1990, um the the growth that took place within Kevin, Kevin McAllister, was that he came to realize that though he had this anger that he had felt towards his family and he didn't appreciate them, like after being home alone for, um, you know, f- for a week or whatever that was, he he came to appreciate them. He came to realize yeah. that he loved his family. Right. Well, the funny thing is in Home Alone two, we watched the other night. Um, <laughs> by the beginning of Home Alone 2, like he's right back where he started at the beginning yes. of Home Alone. He's <laughs> he, like, he literally he's, is. It's like, all because of freaking Buzz. That's yeah. the whole reason. Well, yeah, Buzz is pretty awful. Um, but he, he, there's a scene where he basically realizes he's in New York by himself, um, alone, you know, and it kind of that Kevin McAllister look spreads on his face and he says, mm-hmm. I'm all alone in New York without my family. Yes. And then he goes on basically a a, a, a tear like partying because he's so yeah. excited. Because I mean, he family. has and he had his dad's bag, so he had his he dad's had credit cards. He had money. You yeah. know what? I think I think I am going to change it to Home Alone too because I'm also thinking about the cast. I I just watched this and Tim Curry is in it as well, um, and. I find him absolutely hilarious in this role. So I'm going to go with Home Alone 2. I'm switching it. I, I, I need to be <laughs> not indecisive. But as I was thinking about this when you were talking, and I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. It just seems like there's so much more that kind of that is that does make it better than the first one. Because the first one, you're like, okay, he's – this is what's happening. This is this is this. But the second one, it's like, oh, again? Like, let's go. Okay. Home Alone 2. Rechange. Rewind. <laughs> edit out number one. So your number four is Home Alone 2. Yes. Lost in the city. Okay. Lost in New York. New York City. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's your number? <laughs> what's your number? <laughs> i i have to go with home alone the original i'm gonna okay. go with home alone for, for my number four um the soundtrack is great the soundtrack is amazing yeah um it was very it was a very original idea i think you yeah. know the original the, the original home alone came out in 1990 i was 10 at the time and i was pretty obsessed with this movie because it was a huge box office hit. And in fact, I think for a little while it held some records for like 
Christmas releases for films. Yes. So it was huge, huge hit. And I was, I was the target demographic. Like I was a 10 year old kid, just like Kevin McAllister. And I, yeah, I just love this movie. And, um, and so, like I said, these are sentimental picks for me. Like, I don't think uh, Macaulay Culkin is all that great of a child actor in this film. Like, his line reading is pretty stiff. And I even recognized that as, like, a 10-year-old. I was like, this kid is, uh, I could see, you know, he's cute. He's a cute kid. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I could never understand, like, how exactly did he get the part? He just, he does yeah. look very... He, he does look very, he can, he can, he's kind of mastered at that age. He had mastered sort of this sly knowing yes, kind definitely. of expression. Um, and so you thought, oh, he's always kind of up to something a little bit. And so, so he did that well. But overall, this is, uh, you know, it's just a movie that I, um, I think it was very original, funny, um, a little scary as a kid, not scary because you, you kind of got the sense these, these crooks, are just they're never gonna do it right. You know, mm-hmm. you knew that going in, but they are there are they are intimidating at times. And so um yeah, so Home Alone, the first Home Alone is my number four. Okay. What's All your right. three? My number three, uh this one was this one was a back and forth between one between another movie um and this one, but I kind of and and the other movie is an honorable honorable mention, uh, but I landed with this one just because it is something that <sighs> the honorable <laughs> mention is one that you have to watch with like the family, whereas uh-huh. this one it's kind of one that I'm like, man, I really love this, and it would be the Tim Allen the Santa Claus, not oh, number yeah. two. This yeah. one is number one. I really like number one more than number two. Okay. I've seen it and I do remember enjoying it, but it's been a long, 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 long time. So I, that's one that I'll have fun introducing to laser at some point. Oh yeah, but. for sure. Disney plus. Yeah. Um, my number three would be, um, national lampoons, Christmas vacation from okay. 1989 starring Chevy chase. Um, this one, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Um, but it's not funny to me the way now that it used to be. Uh, I remember the first time watching it, just, you know, not, you know, like not being able to stop laughing. Yeah. Now it's kind of like the anticipation of these moments, these classic moments, you know, they start to make you giggle, you know, a few minutes before they actually happen. Mm-hmm. And there's so many quotable lines. I mean, um, so many things that I say all the time, you know, even when it took completely removed from the context of Christmas, but lines that, um, you know, that we all, I, I don't know that it just have become embedded in the culture. We all yeah. know this is a reference to national Lampoon's Christmas vacation. Um, the joy to the world moment with the lights and, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> there's just so much great, uh, great stuff here. And so, um, yeah, so I I love this movie, and I'll be surprised if it's not on your list, but maybe it's not, but I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? We're going to move on to number three. Two. Two? Okay. I'll answer that question about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and 
just a moment. Three rounds. Two rounds. Oh, 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 oh. A little tip towards. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Number, number two. two. This is uh, when I say this, this movie for me is probably um, on your list. I would assume that it's probably on your list. Um, but this one is a movie that on Christmas Eve is a marathon. It's a running repeat on Christmas Eve where you can watch it over and over and over again. And this is one where you can't help but just, no matter how many times you've seen it, no matter how many times I've seen it, or or anything like that, I always die laughing, I'm, I, and I just think it's amazing. And that would be a Christmas story. So, you're going to shoot your eye out. You've got yep. the giant pink bunny suit and you have the the leg lamp which is so great. That whole that whole scene is amazing. So, A Christmas Story is my number 2. It's just I don't know. This is probably one that's more sentimental. Like the other ones are like, "Oh man, I really enjoy this." But this one's probably more sentimental just because I always hear dad laughing with this movie. Like even if I'm watching it by myself or with other people or with the family, I can always hear dad laughing at certain parts, the leg lamp part, the pink bunny part, all of, all of that. I just always hear dad. Yeah. I, so yeah, I figured we'd have some overlap. My number two is also a Christmas story mm-hmm. from 1983. Um, this, uh, for all the things you said, I would totally agree with. I do think this one's different for me than like uh, Christmas Vacation because I, in just the last few years, have watched this a couple of times and I find myself laughing at new things each mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It's oh, like there's sure. new little things that I notice and that I didn't notice. I didn't get when I was much younger. And now I'm, I, I, I've started to pick up on them. But Another element of this movie that I I, I think it, this movie captures the what do I want to say the 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 letdown of Christmas better than any other. Like, I would agree with that. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, like um, there's something about Christmas that that as a, a kid especially, there's so much anticipation, and this movie captures that anticipation incredibly. Mm-hmm. And then Christmas Day comes. And like the scenes in this movie when, um, you know, I can't remember the little, the kid's name, the act, uh, the 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 main character, um, Ralphie. Ra- uh, is Ralphie the? Yeah, Ralphie. Yeah, it's Ralphie because so, Randy's the brother. <clears throat> that's right. So Ralphie, <laughs> you know, Ralphie's parents are, you know, the gifts have been opened. It's you know, it's probably only like eight in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Gifts have been torn through. All he wanted was a Red Rider BB gun. He wanted the Red Rider. Um, he didn't know if he had gotten it yet or not. But there's scenes where the parents are kind of just sitting around. And it's just kind of a lazy day. And things have started to kind of... And, and, and there's something about that that's so true of Christmas. Where all this anticipation builds to this moment. Mm-hmm. This crescendo where you are ripping open gifts and things. And then Christmas Day is always just kind of not not a drag like it's sad or anything, but it's just kind of this decompression where you just kind of go, hmm, okay, that's <laughs> over, you know. And and then yeah. and then you're left with this realization like, 
oh, we still have like three months of winter left and we've got, you know, like, and there's no more good holidays to, well, you've got New Year's Eve, but for kids, New Year's Eve isn't even that, it isn't even that yeah, exciting. Yeah, New Year's but, Eve is more adult oriented. But the, let, the letdown after Christmas is just perfectly captured in this in this movie and including the trip to the Chinese restaurant, right? Like the only place they can find open and like, it's just, I don't know. There's just, there's just something about it that just, they just capture it so well. And so I love it too. That's my number two. Yep. All right. Number one, we've come to number one. Number one is the one and only, the one and only, Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't pick a better, a better movie to be as my number one. Um, some might disagree with me, but this is my absolute favorite Christmas movie. It stars Will Ferrell, James Kane, Bob Newhart, Zoe De Chanel, Ed Asner, Mary Steen- Steenbergen. It is directed by John Favreau. Jan- John Favreau? Favreau, yeah. Favreau. And it is Elf. The absolute best Christmas movie that I always have to watch. The other ones, other than A Christmas Story, um, the other ones are kind of like hit and miss. I can, if I watch them, I watch them. If I don't, it's fine. But Elf is one that on December 23rd, I always watch Elf. It doesn't, it, That's it always happens today. So on the 23rd. at some point today, I will be watching Elf. It'll probably be later in the day. Um, And it's always, I watch it, December 23rd is whenever it starts. And then I kind of periodically, I may watch it tomorrow or the 24th. I may watch it the 25th. But it's kind of one of those that I don't start at the beginning of December. I always start it at the almost end part of December. And I just, I watch it over and over again. It's just a great, it's a great wholesome movie. I just... I love it. I love it so much. So when did Elf come out? Um, I believe it came out in 2003. Hold on. Let me look. That sounds about right. Yeah, it was 2003. Okay. Yeah. So again, you were sort of, you were an early teenager at that point, right? Basically. Mm, well, you were 12, right? Yeah. So preteen, I guess. Yeah, preteen. So you, again, you know, that is like, that that's a movie from your childhood yes that hit at just the right moment i was not a kid so i saw it and i remember really enjoying it and i've seen it since i've seen it at least twice i know and i love will ferrell yeah i know i love will ferrell (laughs) in that movie um oh speaking of while i have will ferrell on the brain i mentioned i think in a previous episode that there was going to be a remake of Trains, Plays, and Automobiles. Mm. And I think I said Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. And actually what I read was it's Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Will Smith playing Uh-oh. the Steve Martin role and Kevin uh, Hart playing the uh, John Candy role. So anyway, oh, but back okay. to back to Elf. Yeah, Elf, <clears throat> Elf definitely um, is a movie that I enjoy. And again, if I watch it with Laser... You know, uh, a year from now, a couple years from now, maybe he'll he'll he may be getting to see it through his eyes. It will kind of uh, become something that I appreciate even more. But I do think it's funny. I think Will Ferrell is one of the only people that could play that role. Oh, um, yeah. For his sure. 
his innocence in this sort of way oversized, clumsy body is just so, uh, so funny. And so, yeah. And I love, I do, the one takeaway line for me from Elf is, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> Which I find myself saying a lot. But. That that scene that scene right there is one of my favorites and then also um buddy the elf what's your favorite color that's another one of my favorite yeah. my favorite lines so i yes 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 <laughs> okay right. what is so my number what is one your number one my number one Bring is it home. yes is um a movie we talked about last in our last episode which is it's a wonderful life um mm. I mentioned this before, but when I taught in China, I actually would teach this movie each Christmas season. So I've seen it many, many times. And um, yeah, it just, uh, there's something about it. It just holds up really well for me. The story of a man who's kind of hopeless and desperate, but finds that he is actually important in the world. Like even though his life seems small, and insignificant and in some ways for from his you know limited perspective it feels meaningless but he uh gets a new a chance to see things from the perspective of others and realizes how um how you know people do depend on him and how he is important in the grand scheme of things and so i just love the message of it i love jimmy stewart um there i was surprised to find myself time after time responding to this movie emotionally, like we're at certain scenes, like at the end, whenever he is reunited with his family, mm-hmm. like that, that I'm just like, Oh, well, I've seen this so many times. Why am I still so, you know, mesmerized and uh, moved by it. And so it keeps, it keeps working for me. And I think that's why it's my number one. Was it aunt Sherry that put something um, about, about the about it's a wonderful life that uh let me see, hold on let me see if i can find it let me see if i can uh maybe she didn't i know i know she did um but it was like the reason that jimmy stewart did this role so well is because he had like really bad depression and anxiety mm. and stuff like that i was for sure that she put something maybe someone yeah i don't know i haven't heard that but that it's obviously possible yeah, I thought yeah. I really thought that that was that 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 it was her that said it. So nineteen forty six. Think about that. That movie is almost eighty years old. Yeah, so crazy. It's, so crazy. Yeah. It is. It is a good movie. It's it's not one that I've watched enough to really have like sentimental attachment to it. Um, yeah. But it is one that I always like. Whenever it's on, I definitely stop to watch it. But it's not one that I really like sit down to watch. Right. Um, I have two honorable mentions okay. that one is Christmas vacation. It is one of those where there are a couple, like, again, it has to be something that I watch with family. Like I it, watching it by myself just doesn't have the same effect. Um, but watching it with family, it, it has a whole new meaning. And that is one where it is easy to quote, like whenever you have, um, they're all at the at the dinner table and the crotchety uncle guy and his wife who's a little bit 
senile and has dementia and everything. And mm-hmm. they're like, would you like to say Grace? And so she's like, Grace, she's been dead. And then she gets up and says the Pledge of, Alle- <laughs> the Pledge right, of Allegiance. Right. And then you have Uncle Eddie and all of that. Our cousin Eddie, who's in it and everything. Yeah. And just we have we actually have an Uncle Eddie. Cousin Eddie. We do have an Uncle we, Eddie. <laughs> but we don't have a cousin Eddie. <laughs> and there are there are some people in the family that are kind of have the traits of cousin Eddie. Um but it's <laughs> hey, it's, we, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not naming names. Are you crazy? <laughs> That's not gonna happen. And then another one for me, um, that is that this was a toss up to put in my lineup um or not so it's going to be another honorable mention but this one holds a lot of sentiment to me uh it is so well done but it encompasses a lot of different holidays um and that is meet me in st louis this movie is just absolutely one of my most favorite movies judy garland singing have yourself a merry little christmas the family aspect um, we moved a lot as we were kids, when we were kids, and just kind of that whole, they've lived here for so long, but the, the possibility of moving, and it just kind of captures that, and it, it, it just is like, oh my goodness, this movie is is so great. Not to mention, I was always compared to the littlest sister, Tootie. Um, <laughs> the most horrible. Uh, the most horrible growing up um even now i've always been um compared to her and so it it's definitely it didn't make it in my top five christmas movies but it's definitely an honorable mention that i try to make it a point to watch it but it's also a very long movie and it It is a very long movie it doesn't just focus on christmas either so it's like you can watch it really any Halloween, Fourth of July, yep, all that stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I love that movie too, but I don't classify it in my mind, at least, as a Christmas movie. Mm-mm. But it does make sense. You think about uh, <clears throat> about Judy Garland's uh, that moment, her singing "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and it kind of wraps up as a Christmas film, even though yes. it doesn't. It's not necessarily at the center of the film's storyline, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so my honorable mentions, um, I have a few of them. So one, this was uh, for uh, this one, uh, a little tribute to our oldest brother, Dave. Um, big fan of uh, the Ernest series. <laughs> so Ernest, 1988's Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, uh, I do remember it's been forever since I've seen it, but I do remember watching it uh, again and again as kids. I think we got it on VHS and we would watch oh, it boy. even whenever it was, you know, not Christmas. But yeah, Ernest Saves Christmas. That's an honorable mention. Gremlins. Um, Gremlins from 1984. <laughs> it is a Christmas movie. It all centers around Christmas. Is and... this like Die Hard? No, it's well, yeah, it is. It is in a sense. It's not like it. It's set at Christmas, and so, um, so Christmas is a, a sort of a theme throughout. And then uh, the last uh, honorable mention would be um, which else? I I wanted to mention one other, um, but now nah, I'll just leave it at those two. So Ernest Saves Christmas <laughs> and Gremlins. I did want to mention a worst uh, <laughs> a worst Christmas movie. That I um, came across. I have not actually watched this, 
I didn't need to watch this because I saw the trailer. So in 2012, Daniel Stern, who does the voiceover for A Christmas Story, Mm -hmm. right? And he's also in uh, Home Alone. He's one of the, 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 the robbers. Marv. Yeah. So he tried to uh, <laughs> create a Christmas story sequel. Oh, so it's okay. a Christmas story two, and I just urge everyone to go out and watch the trailer on YouTube from 2012, a Christmas story two. That's all you'll need to see. The trailer will convince you that this is the worst <laughs> Christmas movie of all time. Uh, so. Okay. Well. All right. Well, there's our top five. If you have favorite Christmas films that we did not mention, please let us know about it. I'm trying to like it at gmail.com or or come to our Facebook page. page. Um, We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing The Matrix Resurrections. Hi there. This is Aaron. I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to this week's episode and to ask if you could do Rory and me a favor. If you've been at least trying to like our podcast, we kindly ask that you share it with your friends and family. You can do this through all the typical ways using Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Friendster, whatever you're into these days. But we also ask that you consider rating and reviewing our show in the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to our show. This will help more people find us, and we just might read your review on our show, especially if you say something really great about us. Thank you again for listening, and back to the show. We can't see it, but we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real. I remember this. When was the last time you watched the Matrix trilogy before viewing the the Matrix Resurrection um, just last night? Right? Did you watch? Yes, this last I watched night? it last night. Yeah, I did too. So I've, it's pretty fresh on my mind. Mm-hmm. But when was the last time you visited the world of the Matrix before this? Before watching the? It wasn't that long ago. I would say it's been about a year. Wow. Because there was a time whenever I, on HBO Max, they were all on there. And so I think, I think I was stuck on my, on my quarantine and I didn't even have COVID, but I had to be quarantined because I was in close proximity to someone that did. Um, And I want to say it was during that time that I was like, well, I've watched this show. I've watched this show. I've watched this movie. I've watched this series. And I came across it. So it's been within the last year or two um, that I've watched all three of them. The first one. Okay. I'm going to be real transparent really quick. (laughs) I don't get the full hype of these movies. It's a lot. It is a lot to understand because... With the first one, you kind of get it, but at the same time, when you think, when I always think, oh, this makes sense, 
something happens and I'm like, well, what the freak? I, I, right. I don't understand. So the first movie, I love the first movie because it's all, it, it's telling you how everything is happening. The <laughs> right. second and third movie, it just gets so insane and crazy that I'm like, right. the narrative is, is clear in the first. The narrative yes. is clear. The world makes sense. The universe mm-hmm. makes sense. The rules of that universe make sense, right? Exactly. And then you come to the second and third, and this is the experience I had with them as well, is it felt like a building upon the universe of the first that expanded and expanded and expanded until it collapsed in on itself, basically. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. narratively, you're right. Like, I remember the first one very distinctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember it was like a everybody, everybody could... It was the first time that you saw someone like dodging the bullets the way that Neo right. did and all yep. of that stuff. And it made sense. And then the second and third one happened. And I'm like, it doesn't, I don't understand. Right. They start to, I think they become so busy in sort of the expansion of this universe that, um, yeah, you you start to... It, it can't sustain its own weight, essentially. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the first. Uh, it's like somebody built a a, a, a one story home that was very beautiful and 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 nice, <laughs> and then they started building <laughs> floors on top of it, and each one, you know, you're kind of like, oh, okay, they're going higher, they're going higher, they're going higher, and then eventually they just all fall in on each other, and that's yeah. the way the the second two felt. So then we come to um, the fourth, and so I'll. I will start by saying that I was very excited to see this, although I had some trepidation about w- whether or not it would be enjoyable. Because, And I think I mentioned this before that I had watched trailers and the trailers had led me to have some more fear that this was not going to be like that this was going to be more of more similar to two and three than it would be mm-hmm. to the first yes. in, the, in the series. And um, I'll also say this. I, so I've come to appreciate Keanu Reeves in certain roles. Keanu Reeves does not age. Well, he does. This movie, but, he... But at so, the same time, I feel like... I've in And Carrie Ann Moss, oh my gosh, she doesn't age either. Well, I'm not saying they don't look... So I, I do think they look good for their age, but the age is certainly there. Like, I, I noticed this more so in Matrix Resur- The Matrix Resurrections, this new film. I noticed their age, particularly Keanu Reeves, far more in this than I have, like, let's say, in the um, John Wick, um, the John Wick series, you know. Um, And I don't know. I think some of that is intentional. I think they want us to see that he has he's worn down. He's beat down, you know. Um, And so I think there's a little bit of intentionality to that. But but anyway, all that to say, I don't think Keanu. I think Keanu Reeves is perfect for certain roles for Neo. He probably works. You know, he works okay. He certainly yeah. did in the first of the series. Um, I don't go to see films because of Keanu Reeves as an actor, per se, right? Like, he's yeah. not somebody that draws me to the box office. I don't think he's – I don't think he's one of our best actors uh, working. <laughs> I think he's just uh, – he's he's done well at picking roles that, that work for him and for yeah. his range. It'll always um, be Bill and Ted for me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so let's start off. Uh, 
you know, I don't know exactly how you feel about this this uh, film, The Matrix. Well, you're about to find out. You're I am about, about to find out. out. So, but I, I want to start on a positive note um, because. So, I want to know what did you what what did you like about this? What um, did you enjoy? Okay, I was all of the actors and actresses in this movie. Wow, I was not expecting Neil Patrick Harris, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, Christina Ritchie. I was, I honestly, and Jonathan Groff, who was the voice of uh, Kristoff, and he was also in Glee and stuff like that and in other movies. Amazing cast. I love Neil Patrick Harris. I think he is a great actor. And so it kind of brought some, some fun um, positives. I thought the cinematography, the elements of the of the movie were spectacular um so good so well done the visuals the effects and all that stuff amazing so good it kind of gave me like in specific in specific spots it kind of gave me like a blade runner type feel in specific scenes of the movie Mm -hmm. um so i would say that uh, that's all i can say So I thought some performances <laughs> were also pretty strong. Um, I I think uh, Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss that like they were both fine mm-hmm. in reprising the roles of Neo and uh, and what, what's her name in the Trinity Trinity. Um, I, I thought the visuals were also uh, at times really really great. Like mm-hmm. there were times whenever I was it was kind of like. It kind of harkened back to some of the excitement that I felt watching the first Matrix, where you saw some visual effects that you had never seen on screen before. Yeah, for sure. And so, and I'll say at the beginning of this film, so like for the first uh, 20, 30 minutes or so, I was just having fun being back in the Matrix, you know, being like back in this universe where I was enjoying myself. uh, This sort of, again, sort of the, the sentimental aspects of of the watching a film which is just to kind of go like oh yeah i remember how this feels and that Mm -hmm. the green text you know sliding down the screen um the um you know just uh the idea of creating uh uh, openings in in mirrors and you know where you can jump between portals in the matrix and all that kind of stuff like that was a lot of fun um and so the visual effects were, were strong um, I, I found, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, I found, um, this to be a bit of a slog, uh, or what I mean by that is like, I had to, st- it felt like an effort to stick with it and to, yes. and to stay engaged. After the first, I and I say this, after the first thirty minutes, and that's probably pushing it because this is a two hour, this is a two and a half hour long yes. movie. Yeah, so it's after long. the first thirty minutes, I was like, I don't understand. I, 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 it, and it literally went. I couldn't figure out where I was because at times right, right. they're showing you the the things that happen in the first movie with characters mm-hmm. but they're completely different characters but it's like they're the building of the characters 
and and this one but then at the same time you're like well how the heck did they get here and and how is this happening and i was just i've never been more confused excuse me i've never been more confused with a movie and i was so like it was part of me so part of became, me thinks i need to watch it again but the other part of me is like i i don't think i physically i don't think i can sit down and watch this again because right. i don't think it would make any more sense to me at all yeah well it, it so it does become very meta in the sense that we find neo or thomas anderson we find him um they they're not specific about what the date is is it now Mm-mm. it feels like now a little bit right um, yeah, but he's a computer software designer. He's designed some games called the matrix. Um, and we find out little by little that the games of the matrix parallel with the films that we know, but the films in this universe, the films don't exist, but the games uh-huh. do. And the yeah. imagery from the films that we all know actually are imagery from the game. Um, <laughs> and um and but but we find out that thomas anderson uh the keanu reeves character he's quite uh unhappy and sort of feeling burned out and feeling like he wants something new and different and yet uh and and yet he's being drawn back in some ways towards the beginning right yeah and it's all to find like trinity who is now tiffany right which and totally confused me. I, uh. There's this idea too that exists throughout all of the Matrix uh, mythology, right? Of this, the loops, right? That things mm-hmm. are that things are stuck in a loop where things repeat themselves over and over again, and you you have to intentionally sort of break free from that. And um, so I think that that's part of why we see this repetition of like events that occurred in the first film happening again now in this film. Right. And there's like, so there's a sense of like, yeah, you you have to break out of these loops and these cycles and you have to do that intentionally. And so um, I, I thought, yeah, this film became so meta in the sense that it sort of stepped outside of itself and it wanted us as the audience to see the film creators sort of observing their own creation and um, commenting on it. Right. Mm-hmm. In a way that at times felt like almost like, um, um, I don't know. I, there were certain scenes in this that felt almost like they could be like an SNL skit. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. One in particular where you were in a boardroom and there's a bunch of executives for this game company and they're planning out, um, you know, they're planning out this uh, new, this new fourth matrix, right? Which is now what we're actually watching. We're watching the fourth matrix. Um, and they're trying to decide, like, well, how do we bring Neo back? And how do we, and they're just sort of spitballing ideas on how to bring this new game to fruition. And, and we're now seeing in a movie that we're realizing as an audience, like, oh, okay, like there was at one point there's like a real meeting where this happened, where people planned out this fourth film in the matrix series. And, and it's so meta and it creates so many different observant observational points where you can kind of step back and go like, Oh, here's what the creators are thinking about uh, their own creation. And, and some people might find that fascinating, but narratively it doesn't work. Like it's Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting 
conversation point, but narratively it doesn't work. It's not compelling. So you end up um, feeling like this is just a big long movie where all the creators of the matrix, the original film are getting together after 20 years or whatever, and just kind of talking to each other about it, but in this sort of loose narrative structure, you know, like talking about what they've, created and what they intended it to be and what it actually became and what the public sees it as. And um, lots of sort of cinematic navel gazing, I would say, you know, like, or it's just like um, now, like I said, there are some really compelling scenes where there's visuals that are, that feel somewhat groundbreaking. Um, There's also some visuals that I think don't work particularly well. There's a lot of sequences where, there's some kind of slow motion. And like, I have to say, I saw this on my home, you know, my, my home TV, um, watched it through HBO max. So I didn't go to a theater. Maybe things are a little bit different presented a little differently in the theaters. But, um, the biggest weakness I think is just narratively in that it's not compelling. It's, it didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know what the stakes were exactly. I didn't know like what could be lost. Uh, if, the mission failed right yeah um, it, yeah and that's the thing i just after it was over and i guess this is kind of how i gauge if i if i really liked a movie or not because after it was over i didn't i wasn't like oh my gosh that was so great i just i sat there and thought to myself what just happened like what what just unfolded with this i was more confused than anything else yeah i I would like to, you know, compare this to another huge sort of high expectation film that we saw recently, which was the Dune, uh, the first in the Dune series. And um, we ended that very conclusively feeling like, okay, I can't wait to see what comes next. Right. Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. wait for that next film. This was completely opposite where I was just like, okay, hopefully they're done. Like, I really, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, I, I thought there was a chance and both I, I watched this with my wife, Shella. Um, I thought there might be a chance that they would the, the film kind of comes to an end and then um, the credits start to roll. And I thought maybe we're going to we're going to get like one of those Marvel style mm-hmm. like moments where we peek towards like maybe what might come next. Maybe they're trying to reboot the Matrix altogether. Maybe they're trying to lead us into like a future in which, um, you know, more stories could be told out of this universe. Right. Yeah. And they don't, they don't give it that. And, and I hope, you know, that's, I guess, kind of a spoiler to say that they don't give us that, but, um, this movie ends, I would say on a pretty positive note about regarding the characters uh, Mm -hmm. from these films. Um, I don't want to say how everything kind of plays out, but it's on a pretty positive note that makes it seem as if there's there's a possibility at least for um this universe to be explored more um but personally as a viewer i wasn't at a point where i wanted it to be explored anymore because where they took me in this journey just felt like um you know just sort of a lot of navel gazing with very little concern for actual narrative and you got to have a story, you know, you got to tell a story and probably the most um, typical or most sort of conventional aspect of this film 
was, I won't give anything away, but there's a scene where a group of people basically have to pull off a heist, right? Yes. So in this scene where they're pulling off this heist, they have to, uh, you know, get past all the security and figure out how to get this, uh, you know, thing that they're, they're after. And, um, that plays out very similar to many, many different high scenes we've seen in many different mm-hmm. films. And that's like one chunk of this film that actually felt like narratively compelling to some degree, but not in, not in any original way, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, just from start to finish, it felt too, it felt too meta. It felt too uh, concerned with itself. I will say one thing I think was a positive addition was I, I think it takes itself less seriously than probably the original film, the original yeah, trilogy would, does. Yeah, I would agree so with that. So there's a little bit of sort of like winking at the audience <laughs> a little bit. Um, but in general, I just didn't. I didn't feel compelled by it. And um, I felt very bad for my wife, Shella, because she tried to watch it and she knew that I was excited to see it. And so we sat down and I'll tell you that like within 30 minutes, she was struggling to stay awake and she, she felt sleep several times throughout it. And, you know, I understand she hasn't seen the first three films. I knew she would felt, feel a bit confused, but you would think with as many explosions and shooting scenes and action sequences that this would have sustained some level of attention from her, but it, she just couldn't muster it because there's so many other scenes where we're just confused. We're bogged down in lots and lots of conversation between people that doesn't feel like it's actually leading anywhere narratively. And so I just think this at one point I had to literally stop rewind and rewatch it because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I, yeah. What, what did, and I think a lot of it was, okay, did I blink for too long and I missed <laughs> something like extremely pivotal or did it just not happen? Right. And I think that a lot of times it, one thing led to another in a way that didn't feel like it, um, I didn't feel like there were any stakes involved. Like, yeah, what I, I often felt like, okay, yeah, but <laughs> all these people have died before and they came back. Like, what does it really matter if this mm-hmm. happened? You know, like if I don't know, there's something about it that just felt like what happens in the matrix doesn't, you can't possibly really matter, you know? Um, yeah. And so if you're, if you're at that point where you're just like, this doesn't, none of this really matters, then like, you have to have something else that's really compelling you. And, and that might be like an amazing performance from some character or, um, you know, maybe the visuals could do it for some people. And I, I, I don't doubt that there will be people that go and see this, particularly if they see it in a, a movie theater and come away going like, well, yeah, some of those scenes really like were exciting. And I, no doubt they, they're, some of them were, but yeah. they're, they're strung together with lots and lots of, film making that's not compelling and not interesting uh to me at least so yeah so there's I, a there's a news review the title says the matrix resurrection is the anti-sequel sequel <laughs> well and that that's what you kind of feel like it is 
in some ways, in some like in that scene I mentioned in the boardroom setting, yeah. it feels like it's poking fun at the even the idea of creating sequels. Like it feels like it's making fun of of the of these executives who are trying to just kind of milk every penny out of a series. But that's what this feels like in a lot yeah. of ways. And so you're like, okay, so are you laughing at us, the audience, because we've paid to be here or paid to watch this this film? Um, are we not supposed to enjoy this? Are we not supposed? Are, are we supposed to not exp- like? I don't know. It just felt like it was not particularly um, clear what the filmmakers were trying to say to us. And I don't need it always to be, you know, very specific or clear, but I want it to be interesting at least. Yeah, you know? and and that's the thing. I think for me, it lost it lost that. I've seen so many, <laughs> I've seen so many like memes around because uh, you know, like the front of the Matrix Resurrections has got the red pill and the blue pill. Right. I've seen a lot of memes that have. Day quill and night quill, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's in it's in people's hands, and it says that's at a, the top day quill, night quill. Which one do you choose? That's ex- <laughs> well, night quill is what what it ended up being for Shella because she <laughs> she just slept through the whole thing because even with all those shootouts, they it just couldn't keep her keep her interested. So yeah, I I was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was disappointed. I was, I was left unsatisfied, honestly. I was too. I can't say that I had high expectations. I, I, like I said, I was excited to see it with the hopes, with strong hopes that it would be much better than anticipated. But it, it kind of met my expectations, I guess, in yeah. some ways, in that it was, it just wasn't a great, a, a great new addition to that that universe. So. Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of like. We've done things where would I see this in a movie? Th- like, would I pay to see this in a movie theater? No, absolutely not. I yeah. think I I don't think that there's enough visual um, cinematic effects that would cause me to go see it in a movie theater. Um, but yeah, it just kind of I don't know without without doing many spoilers, and we may touch base briefly on this further down whenever it's been out more. Uh, but yeah, it's just watch it if you can. Um, if you want to pay to see it, definitely more power to you. But it, it was, it was just, there was a lot that happened in that two and a half hours and I couldn't tell you what any of it meant. So <laughs> <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. I, <laughs> take that as you wish. In general, I like movies that make you think and make you kind of strain your own, um, sense of imagination a little bit to try to figure out, you know, like to try to, to try to connect the dots, you know, there's nothing wrong with the mystery, but this feels like confusion. And so yeah. I'm not, yeah, it definitely, yeah, it definitely did. Um, any recommendations? I, I definitely, I have one, I have one. Okay. What's your recommendation? Um, my recommendation is coming out on new year's Eve, December 31st. And it is season three of Cobra Kai, where we have Miyagi-Do and uh, I think it's called, I think they're called Eagle Fang and Cobra Kai are all training for the All-Valley Karate Tournament. And we've got Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang, which is Johnny um, and uh, Daniel, who are joining forces because Cobra Kai has now been taken over by John Kreese and the other 
I don't remember what was his name. He was the one that trained um, Daniel in the third. In the third uh, one, I don't know Daniel, but John Kreese was the original Cobra Kai. John Kreese founder. was the original Cobra Kai, and then there was one. Uh, uh, what was his name? He was also just a jack of all trades. I yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember who you're referring to, but I would say. I think this is season four. Is it season four? I think is so. It season four? I think it's. I thought it was season three. Um, I'm not sure, but either way, I'm excited about it because I love yeah. Cobra Kai. Oh, um, maybe it is season four. Has it really been that many seasons? Either. I anyway. think it has because there was two on YouTube that were that's just YouTube right. originals, okay, and then there was right. one that was when they moved to Netflix, and now this will be the second year that they've yes. released on Netflix. Okay. That's that's correct. Um, any so yes, the newest the newest season, season four, um, is coming to Netflix on December thirty first, and I am so excited for it. I am super super excited. Um, I think it's Terry Silver. That's okay. what it is. That's um, the that's the other the other Cobra Kai head honcho guy. So cool. each. Daniel LaRusso will have his Terry Silver, and then Johnny will have um, John Kreese that they both cool. have to go up against. So that's my recommendation coming up. Well, we'll have to talk about that at a future episode because yes, I love sure. Cobra Kai as well. My recommendation is not actually a recommendation, but just something I'm excited about on the horizon. It's already been released, so I just need to get busy watching it. But um, they're on Peacock, the streaming platform Peacock, from NBC, um, the MacGruber uh, <laughs> series that was just released. Um, it has Will Forte and um, oh, what's your favorite? You're, you you love her. Uh, oh man, her mind. Her, her Kristen Wig. Kristen Wig and Kristen Wig. Yeah. So uh, Will Forte, I love him so much. Um, I was a huge fan of The Last okay. Man on Earth, um, and The Last Man on Earth was a very weird. Uh, comedy series on Fox for a few years. And it was very weird because it was straight from the mind of Will Forte. And he had complete control over every aspect of that show. He was the writer, directed a lot of the episodes and, and starred in it and just basically had his fingerprints on everything. And MacGruber's the same way. And um, so I have not watched it yet, but I'm excited to watch it because I love Will Forte. So that's All my... Right my excitement okay well we hope you have enjoyed this episode um coming at you on christmas eve it is a great day tomorrow is christmas so if you are traveling even if you're not but if especially if you're traveling um even if you're traveling in your own town to another to another house and traffic is just awful which on christmas day it may not be um stay safe Enjoy the time spent with your family. Um, hopefully you don't have an anticlimactic Christmas day whenever you're left feeling empty and with nothing to look forward to. As Aaron so <laughs> lovely putting put it. We got to end on this. <laughs> put it Joy well, to the world. Yeah, um, but as always, stay safe out there. Um, enjoy your time. Have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to I'm Trying to Like It. <laughs> <laughs>